listening to your community spirit. I hope that scared the bejesus out of you because it freaks me out every time you listen to it. But that sound in the background is actually the sound of the sun. The sound the sun puts out electronic waves and they recorded it. So and that goes to show you the sun likes electronic music too. <laughs> and hey the sun's out so yeah, the sun is shining. The birds are singing. So today Friday Forum to feature four memorial 
See, I, I, I did the four. I did the four F ones. I was focusing because I have a hard time with F words. Yeah. Friday forum to feature four mayoral candidates. That's today. Yes. Carbondale residents will get a chance to learn more about the plans and visions of the four mayoral candidates have for the city during a forum to be held from 7 to 9 p.m. this Friday at the Carbondale Civic Center. The forum is sponsored by the League of Women Voters of Jackson County in collaboration with WSIU Public Broadcasting and the Carbondale Times. The February 27 nonpartisan primary election will be held to determine which two mayoral candidates will appear on the ballot for the consolidated general election to be held on April 17th. City Council candidates will also appear on the primary ballot. Currently, seven council hopefuls are running. WSIU 91.9 FM will air Friday's mayoral forum at 2 p.m. on Sunday and again at 7 p.m. on Monday. Or you can just go to it live tonight from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Civic Center. So, And if you want more information about the candidates, um, front page of this week's Carbondale Times. Figuring out who will be the next mayor—it's kind of like American Idol, but with more consequences. <laughs> but you dissed American Idol. Yeah, well, or wait, no, you just dissed the Amer- the. Yeah. Okay. Well, because I kind of—I—I I remember a story where they said that uh, there were more people voting on American Idol than there were voting in the actual real elections. And they have so, to pay. Yeah, and American have to Idol. Pay to vote to the American Idol. Yeah. Yeah, you have to pay to vote. It's you can vote for free around here, <laughs> and uh, it'll be a more exciting event. Other happenings. Yes, other happenings. Well, I'll let you do one. Yes. How about the cultural show? Yes. That's a big one. That's a big one. And the much-anticipated cultural show is tonight, February 16th, from 7 to 9 p.m. So your choice is mayors or culture. Yes. Or. Oh, see, I missed them too. <laughs> You could be in two places at once. You could try. Um, I've been trying to practice the art of my location. I'm halfway there. I can be in one place at one time. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm working my way up to two. There you go. Anyway, tonight, 7 to 9 p.m. in the Student Center Ballrooms on the SIU campus. The Cultural Show. The International Cultural Show. Yes, International. The two, two, um, the buzz in the international communities the two big shows are Capoeira, which is Brazilian African martial arts. Dance. It's, I mean, it's like, it's martial arts, but, you know, you don't touch each other. Yeah. So a lot, um, and, and it can be really fast, too. I've seen, I haven't seen it in person. I've seen it in video, though. It's like dancing ninjas. <laughs> and then the other one is the Japanese presentation, which is um, synchronized swimming without the water because <laughs> they couldn't bring that into the you know, yeah. ballroom so that yeah. so, that should be interesting so that's the culture show the international culture show this evening and what's next the Bluebird workshop the Shawnee Audubon Society invites the public to attend a seminar on the eastern bluebird Guests will have the opportunity to build a bluebird nest box during the evening. 
presented by the Illinois Bluebird Project expert Tom May. The meeting will be held at 7 p.m. on Monday, February 19th at the Carbondale Township Hall, which is at 217 East Main Street. Participation in nest box building is limited to the first 25 recipients, although everyone is welcome to attend and learn more about these fascinating gems of blue. For more information or to register, call Karen at 457-6367. That's next Monday. Yes, it's not easy being blue. Yes, I like bluebirds. Don't get to see them very often, but if you build them a home, you just might. So let's see, in other happenings, what do we have? Oh yes, you may, let's see, I have a flyer, so I will go to a different happening while I find the flyer. But we've got the... You want me to read it? Yeah. Which one are we at? The Big Muddy Film Festival? The 29th Big Muddy Film Festival, well, it starts starts next week and there are so many films there's no way possible that I can even pick one to highlight yeah so there's so many good films it's hard to pick one and they have a lot a lot of international films this year as the Big Muddy Film Festival becomes more of well a real international film festival they are getting well they get entries from around the world for more information, please visit the website, which is bigmuddyfilm.com. I was thinking it was .org, but it says .com here. So, look at it. Pick some films to see. I don't know. Every year, I end up missing most of it because there is so much, but the ones I do see are tremendous. Yeah. So. Definitely worth it. So, let's see. In other happenings, we have... Uh, Presentation, Professional Work and Travels of World Acclaimed Wildlife Photographer, Tom J. Ulrich, from West Glacier, Montana, featuring the Falkland Islands, Brazil, hummingbirds of Costa Rica, and the wildlife of North America. So he's done a lot of photographing and has a lot to say. So it's coming up this coming Tuesday, February 20th, 20th at 7 p.m., that's at Lawson 151 on the SIU campus in Carbondale. This event is free and open to the public. Sounds like fun. I like wildlife. <laughs> I have another thing from the community calendar, which is in the Carbondale Times. Downing to deliver honors lecture. John Downing, founder and director of SIUC's Global Media Resource Research Center, will deliver the University Honors Distinguished Lecture at 8 p.m. Tuesday, February 20th at the Student Center Auditorium. Downing's lecture is called The Imperiled American Visual Culture, Nationality, and U.S. Foreign Policy. A prolific scholar and speaker of six languages, Downing studies the globalization of cultural production and consumption, communication policies, international communication, alternative media, and social movements. There you go. That sounds like a really good lecture. And another happenings we have, we alluded to this earlier when we mentioned the mayoral forum, but uh, we should mention the elections themselves as happening. Uh, the primaries are coming up on February 22nd, and the general... 27th. 27th. Did I say... 
funny. I, you said 20 seconds. Oh, okay. So I caught you. I had you something wrong. <laughs> yeah. The primaries yeah. are February 22nd, 7th. And you can remember it because it's a Tuesday. It's Tuesday and it's a 7th. Yes. Tuesday and it's a 7th. Because, um... Lucky 7th. The actual ma main election is April 17th. Yes. So, another 7th. Which is also another 7th. Another Tuesday, right? Another Tuesday. So, let's see. If you want your happenings to get on the show, email, email them all to Treesong. He's good at collating and collecting. Yes, that's what I was doing this morning. Uh, you can email me at treesong at treesong.org. Hopefully easy to remember. And um, we want your happenings, well, because we want to be known as, well, the happening guys. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of happening guys, echo sexuals. Love through green-colored glasses. I was dumbstruck. I think I ate my entire meal in silence. Pork plus NutraSweet? This was definitely our last date. Even though he probably did recycle, this poor hapless guy missed out due to an ethics misalignment. San Francisco Magazine recently ran a story on some new marketing segmentation that was deploying the term echosexuals. Well, seems... Metrosexuals have already passed their use-by date. Apparently, this is supposed to be some new phenomenon. Guys and girls choosing their dates and prospective partners based on whether they use not tested on animal shampoo, or organic cotton chinos, or eat dead critters. Hardly? E-Magazine was running stories like this dozens of years ago, and it has been a long-held notion that the best matches are those where values and morals are in sync. As we've reported before, dating services like Green Signals started out well over 20 years ago as a paper-based newsletter, but of course has embraced the web with gusto. And they are not alone out on the online realm. We've also noted green passions in the past, but there is also earthwise single, concern singles, love is green, and human to human as just some of the competition. Ethical, green, fun-loving non-smokers over 25 being the byline for the latter site. This narrowing of focus is particularly obvious in the cornucopia of vegetarian-based dating sites. To mention veggie passions, a veggie date, and veggie romance is to shake a cucumber at but a few of the bunch. We are curious at just how successful such echo dating is. Did you find the love of your life looking all starry-eyed across the fair-traded shade-grown coffee with soy and organic chocolate cake? Was it the lines of their Prius that wooed you? Or maybe they brought a replaceable head-style toothbrush for the first night they stayed over. Give us some gossip. This was from the San Francisco Magazine. Yes. Yeah, it goes actually. Pretty so. funny. It reminds me of, I just saw a Colbert's report show that was doing the opposite, you know, since he's Stephen Colbert, he's pretending he's this conservative guy. Pretending? Pretending. <laughs> we don't know for sure. <laughs> but uh, he was, he, he checked out a Republican dating website. <laughs> really? Yeah, did, did interviews with them and was being very strict on his ideology that, uh, you know, I, I think one was in favor of some cases of euthanasia, so he just told them, get out. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. In other news, oh, I should skip ahead to this one because we, at the beginning of the show, we played "White and Nerdy" by Weird Al. 
which is a fun song to play anyway. But I think it's our, you know, superhero song. Yeah, our superhero anthem. <laughs> but uh, I thought of playing it because of this this article here. It's called Hide and Dirty. Bush pushes, quote, alternative fuel plans, and critics push back. President Bush got busy promoting his new energy goals yesterday. Taking Bush is getting busy. Bush oh, is getting busy. <laughs> but he's getting busy with our money. Ooh. Oh, he's getting busy with our money. Shouldn't let him do that. <laughs> he's taking his message to a DuPont biofuels facility in Delaware and signing an executive order requiring federal agencies to buy more fuel-efficient vehicles, including plug-in hybrids when they become available. But Bush's plan to cut gasoline use by 20% in 10 years by pushing alternative fuels and improving fuel efficiency isn't flying with everyone. The plan, quote, not only does not go far enough, but may actually, in some cases, increase greenhouse gas emissions, said California State EPA Secretary Linda Adams. With the focus on alternative fuels, including not only renewables, but also sources like liquefied coal and tar sands, said a Rice University energy expert, quote, we are going dirtier. National Environment Trust President Philip Clapp summed up the collective national sigh thusly, quote, there is no revolution in global warming policy in anything that the president is proposing, no matter how the White House tries to spin it. Straight to the source, the New York Times, Associated Press, 24th of January, 2007. So he's hiding dirty. Well, speaking of, well, I was going to say speaking of green, but, you know, that was not. But let's say something green. Should I save the good news for last? No. Let's go right to the good news. Plus, only teams with animal names can play. Super Bowl gets a greener, offsets emissions for first time. Not the emissions of the players, but how much energy it takes to produce the, so <laughs> the Super Bowl. Until this year, we loved the Super Bowl for precisely three things. Beer, commercials, and ass-slapping. But... We're adding a fourth reason this year, as the NFL will be planting native trees and buying renewable energy certificates to offset greenhouse gas emissions from the game. Yes, guilt-free beer farts. Carbon mitigation, that, to me, is where the excitement, the challenge, and the opportunity are, says NFL Director of Environmental Programs, Jack Grew, who might need to get out more. <laughs> the Super Bowl has incorporated green elements for 14 years, but the upcoming game will be the first to offset its emissions. Such a footballicious sustainability comes hot on the heels of other sporting events that have gone for the green, including an ethanol-fueled Indy 500, climate-neutral soccer World Cup, and recycle-happy Turin Olympics. Extra point, forward pass, end zone dance. And that's all the football terms we know. Straight to the source, Forbes, the 19th of January, 2007. <laughs> yes, and that, uh, the ethanol-fueled Indy 500, I think the next step is going to be the all-electric Indy 500. Well, they have, uh, all, they have electric um, yeah. drag races. They do, they, but they got to convince the Indy 500 to do it because they're the most famous, you know. Well, they can't. They don't really have the range. Hmm. I mean, they can do drag races, the short ones. An electric vehicle will beat out a gas vehicle any day. But the problem is um, 
batteries can't hold enough for going for a long distance. But I have seen them where they have it where basically you have the whole battery bank under the vehicle mm -hmm. and you pull in, <laughs> yeah. pull off, and you yeah, drop yeah. the battery bank and you push the car forward and you slap another battery bank underneath. Yeah. And, you know, it's quicker than changing the tires. <laughs> so I've seen, like, sh they're working on it. I've yeah, seen short races, you know, not 500 miles, but, you know, 200 miles. Yeah. I've seen those so they they're up to the indy 200 so. yeah they're gonna get there <laughs> so let's see uh in other news well i like this one for the title and for the news the illuminati not the illuminati the illuminati <laughs> new california bills would outlaw inefficient light bulbs as thomas edison adjusts his eternal resting position just a tad two california state legislators plan to introduce separate bills that would effectively ban incandescent light bulbs in the state over the next decade. One of the bills, backed by California Assemblymember Lori Levine, has, dubbed, has been dubbed the How Many Legislators Does It Take to Change a Light Bulb Act? For real. real. <laughs> that would be a good you know, joke title, but that's you know, what they're really dubbing it. <laughs> and this would seek to gradually increase bulb efficiency until 2012, Oh, that magical year everybody's talking about, when the standards would exceed the meager capabilities of ye old incandescents. Assemblymember Jared Huffman's bill would allow six more years to phase out the ubiquitous energy suckers, <laughs> requiring a switch by 2018. Compact fluorescents are largely expected to fill the gap, though other efficient options such as LED bulbs stand at the ready. While some consider the idea heavy-handed, California's Energy Commissioner estimates that if the state switched over entirely to CFLs, that's the compact fluorescents, carbon dioxide emissions would fall by about 2 million tons each year. Straight to the source, Sacramento Bee, 31st of January, 2007. And speaking about energy-efficient light bulbs, you said LEDs. 9-watt LEDs replaces the 70-watt incandescent. Now, I've seen my fair share of LED bulbs, but usually the lumens, lumens meaning um, candle output, um, each lumen is equivalent to one candle, essentially. So the lumens they output are usually fairly modest. This bulb, however, outputs 308 lumens using 150 warm white LEDs and is rated at 9 watts. It is said to be a replacement for a regular 70-watt incandescent bulb. There's also a frosted version available that outputs 594 lumens. One thing to note about is the light from these bulbs is probably a little different in character from incandescents. LED lights tends to be sharper and more direct, um, essentially the equivalent of a sunny day outside versus, you know, um, incandescent bulbs are kind of a yellow light. Yeah. I don't know, like a campfire light versus a sunny day, probably. Now, the bulbs do cost between $60 and $70 each, but um, what is that? They use an eighth of the energy? Yeah. And then most LED bulbs on the market now are warranted for 50,000 hours, while a regular incandescent is 900. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, You more than make up for your investment. Yeah. But, I mean, it is hard for many people to spend, you know, more than, you know, a four-pack for a dollar light bulb. Yeah. 
even though it does save a lot of money in the long run and um, even more it saves a lot of energy and pollution yeah so so it leads to a greener planet yep or so we hope now this one I've got to read this one because I heard about it and I think it's such a fascinating idea you put your seed in there uh, Norway reveals design for doomsday seed vault <laughs> a doomsday seed vault dun, dun, dun. architecture geeks are salivating over Norway's release of the design of an agricultural doomsday vault the structure which will cost five million dollars to build and one hundred twenty five thousand dollars a year to run will hold seeds for the world's 1.5 million distinct crop varieties. You know, in case the guy who survives the apocalypse gets the nibbles. Lined with three foot thick concrete, it will sit nearly 400 feet inside a mountain on the, the Svalbard Archipelago near the North Pole. Quote, it will be the best freezer in the world by several orders of magnitude, says Kerry Fowler of the Global Crop Diversity Trust, a project partner. Quote, the seeds will be safe there for decades. Designers say the vault's entrance will gleam like a gem in the midnight sun. But sadly, few will ever see that. Scheduled to open in 2008, the ARC will require just one annual inspection. Quote, if you design a facility to be used in worst-case scenarios, Fowler points out, then you cannot actually have too much dependency on human beings. Straight to the source, Reuters, BBC News, 9th of February, 2007. Biz, biz. Oh, what a relief it is. MBA students increasingly required to take courses in sustainability. We can't say finance, accounting, and marketing get our rocks off, but we're jazzed about a growing trend. 54% of U.S. business schools require students to take a class in sustainability or corporate social responsibility, a jump of 20% since 2001. At MIT's Sloan School of Management, one popular course examines how the positives of free market capitalism might be integrated with more sustainable corporate practices. Quote, we thought it would be popular among a niche of do-gooders, but even the investment bank types are interested, said class co-designer Richard Locke. The trend isn't specific to the U.S. either. The Indian Institute of Management in Lucknow offers a course that educates students on the ins and outs of carbon markets. Global warming is, quote, in the forefront of MBA students' minds, says Mark Zupan, business school dean at the University of Rochester. This is totally going to ruin environmental's grand scheme to wreck the economy and pour patchouli on the ashes. <laughs> <laughs> Straight to the source, Los Angeles Times, the 12th of February, and the Economic Times, the 9th of February, 2007. <laughs> so. so let's see. In other news, Sir Richard to the rescue, Virgin founder Branson, offers $25 million atmosphere scrubbing prize. Virgin mogul Sir Richard Branson is dangling $25 million for anyone who can figure out how to scrub vast amounts of greenhouse gases from the atmosphere. The Virgin Earth Challenge, which Branson announced this week with ubiquitous Al Gore by his side, and which you're pretty sure was also a Star Trek episode, 
will be judged by a panel that includes, besides Branson and Gore, NASA scientist James Hansen, Gaia theorist James Lovelock, Aussie scientist J Tim Flannery, and UK eco-hero Sir Crispin Tickle. <laughs> Quote, The Earth cannot wait 60 years, Branson said. If I write this check, it will be the best check I've ever written. Despite grumbling from some who pointed out that Branson's endeavors, including plans for commercial space travel, don't exactly help the climate cause, others offered praise. Quote, Richard Branson is ahead of the pack in getting to grips with CO2, said University of Edinburgh geology professor Stuart Hazeldean. Quote, I hope all other businesses, large and small, follow his lead. Straight to the source, BBC News, 9th of February, 2007. Well, I want to remind everybody to be an ecosexual. <laughs> yes. So... I think that's it. It is sunny, it is warm, it is time to get outside.